Well, good morning, Chapel family. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 119. We began last week a little mini-series in this psalm. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, the longest of the psalms. It is, as we have noted, it is the psalm of the Word. The longest chapter in the Bible is a song about the Bible, a song about the Word of God. And it is a, it is a marvel. But before we dig in, let's commit our time to the Lord. Father, as we come to this psalm, I ask, Lord, that You would do a work in our hearts this morning that the eyes of our heart would be open to see, the ears of our heart to listen. But not just to listen to words, but Father, that the words would have an impact, that they would change us, that we would put into practice that which we learned this morning. That as we come into this psalm, that we will see You, that we will be drawn near to You our great Savior, our rock of refuge. May You be honored. May You speak through these stammering lips to communicate what is in Your Word. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder, are you following the Olympics this week? Have you been watching any? Anybody? I've caught a few things, and I, I am just always marveled uh, uh, when I when I watch at the amazing things that the human body can do. What great machines God has given us that can jump high and run fast and dive with precision and so many things. It, but uh, I've been finding that interesting to watch. Cardinal baseball. Did you guys see the game yesterday? Wasn't that a great game? Come from behind win against the Cubs. Grand slam home run. Big victory. That was a lot of fun. You like pizza? <laughs> Striking a chord there. It's getting near lunchtime. I wonder if I can make your mouth water talking about pizza. What's your favorite? Do you like Pizza Hut pizza? Or you going for that St. Louis style pizza, that thin stuff with the, I, I never got into it, whether it's Emo's or whatever. Don't like that. Maybe you like New York pizza or my favorite, which is Chicago style. Giordana's pizza, nothing beats Giordana's. You know, it's interesting. If we start talking about food, if we start talking about sports, Almost with any of us, we can get into very quickly, we can start talking passionately. We can start talking enthusiastically about our favorite pizza, our favorite sports. Our... But it's surprising when we come to the Scripture and we find here somebody who talks about the Bible like we talk about sports. Somebody who talks about the Bible like we talk about barbecue. Listen, he says this, verse 24 of this psalm. He says, your testimonies are my delight. 
They're my counselors. Verse 47, he says, I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I delight in your law. At least ten times in this psalm, he says he delights in God's Word. It means he finds joy, he finds pleasure, he finds enjoyment and happiness in God's Word. Verse 111, he says, Your testimonies are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. I find that fascinating. God's Word is the joy of my heart. Not a joy, the joy. He's saying as great as sports are, as great as fishing are, I enjoy God's Word better. As great as puppies are, as great as grandkids are. That's wild. This is the real joy of my heart. Verse 97, he says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. He loves God's Word. He says, I think about it all day. Seven times in this chapter, he says, I love God's Word. And he doesn't just love it a little Verse 167, he says, My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. Exceedingly means above everything. Verse 103, he says, How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. The sweetest thing they had in that, in that day and time was honey. It was the universal sweetener. It was their sugar. It was their high fructose corn syrup. It was, you know, it, that's the only thing they had to sweeten. It was the sweetest thing they knew. In other words, what he's saying is that the Word of God is better to me than cheesecake. Better to me than chocolate. Better than ice cream. Better than candy and cookies. I'd rather have the Word of God. He says in verse 131, He says, I open my mouth and I pant because I long for Your commandments. He says, I desire God's Word. I long for it so much that it's like my dog on a hot summer day panting for a drink of water. Are you getting the picture of his view of the Bible? He loves this thing. One writer said that when it comes to the Bible, there are three types of Christians. He says, first of all, there's the castor oil Christians. For them, the Bible is bitter, but it's good for what ails you. A chapter a day keeps the devil away. <laughs> so then there's the shredded wheat Christians. The Bible's dry and bland. But it's nourishing. And then there's the Christians like this one, he says. The peaches and cream Christians. They delight in God's Word and just can't get enough of it. And I wonder, I wonder this morning as we think like that, if I took my magic flashlight, and if I took my magic flashlight and I spotlight it right there on you, you're flat, you're up here on the screen, suddenly your thoughts flash like words on the screen. So we can all read your thoughts. 
suddenly everybody's getting phone calls. Sorry, I gotta take this. <laughs> suddenly you're saying, Oh, look at the time, gotta run. I mean, if our thoughts are gonna be splashed up there on the screen. And I said, What do you think about God's Word? I wonder if we really knew your thoughts. Are you a peaches and cream Christian? Just can't get enough! I love this! It's like donuts from Heaven Sent Bakery. Or are you a castor oil Christian? It's the Bible. It's God's Word. Here we go. I wonder really where we fit. Let's be honest. So much of the time, for most of us, if we really did flash all our thoughts up there, for most of us, so much of the time... Opening our Bible seems a lot more like a chore than a treat. It's like climbing onto a treadmill at four in the morning rather than enjoying a Sunday, an ice cream Sunday after a really good meal. Coming to the Bible is like digging a hole in hard clay on a hot day more than relishing a great treasure. And so, it's a bit intimidating when we read some of the things that this guy says. For so many of you, you think, well, that's just nothing like that. And we wonder, is it really possible to be like that? Is this guy real? And if he is real, can I be like that? The answer is, yes, he is real. Many of you have known folks who are like this. And the answer is yes, you can be like this. The question would be, how? How can our attitude toward the Word of God, our view of the Word of God be changed so that we would be a person like Him that says, I love them. And I wonder, would you like to be like that? If you're not there, would you like to be that? Some of you are afraid to nod because you want to say, yeah, I'm already there. (laughs) Remember, I have the magic flashlight. (laughs) Well, the good news is the psalmist tells us how. It's really right here. We get an insight into what's made him like this. And it's something we can do. Let's read together. If you would, if if you have the ESV translation, I'd like for you to follow along. If you don't have it, it's actually in the Bible right in front of you in the pew. And I'd like for you to turn there because I'd like to read together. Rather than me reading the words, I'd like for us to read together. Psalm 119. And I'm going to read starting in verse 9 and go all the way to verse 18. If you were here last week, while you're turning to that, if you were here last week, you heard me say that this, this psalm is an acrostic. That means that it's built around the Hebrew alphabet. Every eight verses, the psalm is divided into 
into paragraphs or stanzas of eight verses. Every eight verses features a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And every verse in that stanza or paragraph begins with the same letter, starting with their first letter and working all the way through 22 letters. So we're starting with verse 9, with the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the letter Beth, and then we're going to go to the first two verses of the third letter, which is Gimel. And uh, so we're going to read 9 to 18. Now you're all there. Let's read together. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of Your law. Four things from these verses from this psalm that I want to grasp that will help us unlock a love and a passion for God's Word. Four things that were a part of this songwriter's life. The first is you and I need to Understand that the Word of God is a real treasure. We need to have a high view of God's Word. Verse 18, the last verse we read, that last phrase, he says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. That last phrase, there are wondrous things in God's law. Wonders, treasures, marvelous things are here waiting for you and me to see them. He says a few verses earlier that we read, he said that God's Word is full of riches. He says that I love it as much as all riches. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. The Word of God is worth more than all riches. If you offered this guy $10 million or the Word of God, you can only have one or the other. $10 million of the Word of God. He says, no question. I'll take the Word of God. It's worth more than diamonds. It's worth more than gold. It's worth more than silver. It's worth more than stock certificates. The reality is that the more that you and I treasure God's Word, the more motivated we'll be to study it. And this psalmist has a very high value on God's Word. It's worth more than anything. And it's worth more than anything because there's wonderful things here for us. We read Psalm 19 a little bit ago. Psalm 19 was written by David, uh, another psalm about the Word of God, but it's just a, a short psalm. 
But in there he listed, if you'll recall, a whole bunch of things that are wonderful about God's Word. Why God's Word is a treasure. This psalm as well talks a lot about why God's Word is a treasure. For one thing, it gives us direction in a confusing world. One of the verses that many of you know, actually I think we're going to sing it at the end of the service, is it's verse 103 which says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and, you know the rest of it? A light to my path. It gives direction when, when life is confusing, when, the, when, when everything is, you don't know what to do. The Word of God helps you and me to know, what do I do? It gives direction in a confusing world. The Word of God, we read in verse 9, keeps us from sin. How can a young man keep his way pure? By listening to your Word. Verse 11, your Word I have hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against you. The Word of God keeps us from sin. And that's a treasure. Some of you still think, man, sin is great, but you haven't figured out yet that sin is destructive. Most of us have got it. That's why we try to teach our kids to do the right thing. Because we understand that sin hurts, that sin destroys, that sins bring, sin brings problem and sins bring, sin brings destruction into our life. Heartache. And so if God's Word keeps us from sin, it keeps us from heartaches, it keeps us from problems. And so it's a good thing. It's a treasure. God's Word is a treasure because we read last week in verses 1, 2, and 3, God's Word brings happiness, it brings blessing, it brings joy into our lives. Next week we're going to see that God's Word brings, uh, from this psalm, that God's Word brings comfort in difficult times. In two weeks, we're going to see that God's Word brings wisdom. It gives us wisdom. More wisdom than our teachers. It gives us understanding. Three weeks, we're going to see that God's Word provides an unshakable foundation in a world that's gone crazy. The world falls apart, but God's Word gives us a sure place to build a life that stands firm. Those are some reasons that we'll find and that are here why God's Word is a treasure. So we think about that, just a couple of things. God's Word, discovering these treasures is a process, as we saw. Also, God's Word goes, grows then more precious over time. Because you see, it's this lifelong process. of It's not that just suddenly we, we come to God's Word and all of a sudden God dumps the truck of everything on us. Instead, we come to this gold mine and we have to go in and we dig and we find a treasure in God's Word. And we go, wow, that's awesome! And then as we begin to put it into, into practice in our life, we find that is an amazing reality and truth. It becomes so dear to us, we go back to the mine and we dig again and we find another one. And as we continue to discover truths in God's Word and begin to apply them into our life little by little, day by day, year by year, this becomes more and more of a treasure to us because we discover its wisdom and its wonder. So the first thing we need to know from the very beginning, this is a treasure and it's worth digging into. 
Second thing that this psalmist realizes that has made God's Word dear is he comes to the Scripture with the right purpose, with the right aim. Look at verse 10. He says, With my whole heart I seek You. Do not let me wander from Your commandments. Verse 2, going back to where we were last week, he says, Blessed are those who keep His testimonies and who seek Him out with their whole heart. See, he's realized that he's pouring himself into the Word of God for the purpose of knowing God. The, the, the purpose of the Scripture, the reason why God has given us His Word is to reveal Himself so that we can know who He is. And so the psalmist is coming to the Scripture to know God. And all, all of his concern in this, when we go on, I'll just give a couple of examples. His concern in this psalm is all about his relationship with God. In verse 8 he says, do not forsake me. In verse 10 he says, don't let me wander from your commandments. In verse 11 he's concerned, don't let me sin against you. His concern is, I want to know God. I want to know you, God. And I'm very concerned that I have a good relationship with you. Don't let me mess it up. Don't let me get it wrong. If you come to the Bible simply as a religious duty, here it is, I'm a Christian. Christians are supposed to read the Bible. If you come as a duty, I guarantee you this is going to be boring. If you come to the Scripture and the only thing you want to do is Learn information. I want to pack my brain full of facts. It's going to be an intellectual exercise, a scholarly pursuit, but it won't be something that grabs your heart, something you love. But if we come to the Scripture, as the songwriter does, to draw closer to God, to get to know Him, to learn what He thinks, to learn what He likes, to learn what He desires. It changes everything. Have you noticed that when you love somebody, you can't, you can't wait to answer their phone call? Have you noticed that when you love somebody, you're just waiting for their text? <laughs> I want to hear. What's going on with them? Are they okay? What are they thinking right now? We want to get into their thoughts because we care about them. We want to know them better, deeper. We want to know what's... See, God didn't use text messages. Well, He did. He just didn't use digital ones. He's given us His written Word. Not for intellectual pursuits and not so He could have something where he could go, did you read your Bible today? And check off your list of duties. He's given this so we can get to know Him. And when we come to the Word with that perspective and that desire, God begins to unlock His Word so we can see Him. I often, as I've thought about this, I've realized the root behind problem behind a lack of interest in God's Word is often a lack of interest in God. 
The root problem of a love for God's Word is typically a lack of concern and love for God. Because He wrote it. If we come to God's Word seeking Him, to know Him, to love Him, it changes everything. Thirdly, verses 15 and 16 See, the third thing that characterized this songwriter which developed and grew this passion in him. Verses 15 and 16. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. I'm not a Hebrew scholar by any means. I, I don't know Hebrew. I don't read Hebrew. But I read scholars who read and write Hebrew. And interesting, the verbs in this are verbs that don't have an English equivalent. Okay, There's not an English verb form that matches these. But the intention of the Hebrew verb is this, or, or the, the implication, I should say, of the Hebrew verb is this. These verbs all communicate intent and purpose and resolve. And the closest we get to it in English is putting in the future tense. I will meditate on your precepts. I will fix my eyes. It means I intend to. I purpose to. I will do it. See, that's the best we can do in English. Now, first of all, that was a revelation to me when I read that because I got an insight into this guy's heart. And I realized that for this man who has a passionate love for Scripture... Even for him, it doesn't always come naturally like a love for donuts and ice cream. He has to, at times, still have the same resolve and intention and determination and, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm tired. don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it. And that encouraged me. Four things he's determined to do right here. First, you see it in verse 15. Actually, there's five things. Verse 15, I will meditate on God's Word. And by the way, I put this in. The, the thing he has to do, he, he will invest. I will, I will, I will. You and I need to invest in God's Word. And sometimes that means it's, we're going to have to sweat. We're going to have to do what we don't feel like doing. We'll talk more about that in a second. Meditate on God's Word, he says. In other words, not just five minutes of mindless Bible reading where you read through it and at the end of it you have no idea what you read. You really don't care, but I did my duty. Meditating on God's Word means rather to take it. I will meditate on your precepts. What does meditate mean? Meditate means to ponder, to think about. And so I think about what does he say? I will meditate. What does that mean? It means to ponder, to think about. How does that apply to me? I need to take God's Word and ask, what does it say? And what does that mean? What does that mean to me? How does it apply? Meditating. So I, I, I'm thinking... It's not about the quantity of how much do I read, but it's about the quality of how, do I understand what I read? Do I 
am I thinking? How does that apply? That's meditating. Next, he says, I will fix my eyes on your way. He will focus on God's Word. To focus on God's Word requires that we exclude other things. You see, I can't focus on Norma unless I don't focus on other things. You realize there's so many things in this world that compete for our attention. And there's so many voices and so many things that are contrary to what God says and what God thinks and what God desires. And if you and I really want to appreciate and enjoy the Word of God and really get out of it what God intends for us and to see God in it and to get to know God through His Word, one of the things we have to do is focus upon it. And that means at times we're going to have to shut out the things that compete for our affection apart from God's Word. It means sometimes we need to shut out the noise. Maybe it just means physically we need to turn off the TV. We need to shut down the computer and sign out of Instagram and log off Facebook and put the phone across the house so we can give our attention and say, okay, God, here I am. Let me see you. He says, I invest myself by meditating on God's Word, by focusing he said, thirdly, he says, I will delight in your statutes. I determine to delight in your statutes. That's, that seems kind of weird. But most of us know that that works with love. We've, most of us are mature enough. We understand that love is not just that little, our heart goes, Peter, Pat, we go, why do I just love you? That love is much different than that. That love means that I put you first. I do the work of love. We know that love is not a feeling. Love is a verb. Love is action. Love is doing what is good and right and best and thoughtful for another person even when I don't feel like it, even when it costs me. That's love. And that's the love that makes a marriage grow. And that's the love that makes a relationship grow. And delight is the same way. Delight is not just an emotional response. It's a verb of choice. I will delight in God's Word. He says, I will, in other words, choose to say God's Word will be my pleasure. God's Word will be my treasure. God's Word will be my delight, my joy. He's choosing something. Fourthly, He says, I will not, verse 16, forget your word. How do you not forget God's word? Well, you have to learn it, even that dreaded word, memorize it. So that it's tucked away in your mind so that when you need it, it's there. So when you come across a time where you're enduring some kind of struggle, you don't have to go, I'd better go find the Bible and find some word that deals. So something that deals with this, it's already there. That's what he says. It's already there. I stored it away. That's why he wrote in the words we read just earlier back in verse, verse 11, your word I have hidden in my heart. That word hidden, it's, it's really treasure up. In the, in the 
ancient days, you didn't have a safe in your house. You didn't have a safety deposit vault in a bank. You, you, you didn't even have good locks on your doors. So what did you do with your treasures? Well, you had to carry them with you or what you did was you hid them. You treasured them up. You stored them up. So you might go dig a hole in your floor because you had a dirt floor and then you bury your treasure and then you cover it back over and pack it down and make it look like it's undisturbed and you put a rug on top of it and that's storing it away, treasuring it up. And he says, that's what we do with God's Word. We store it up in our heart and our mind so it's there. So he invests himself by meditating, focusing, delighting storing up God's Word. And lastly, verse 17, he says, that I may, I will, he determines to keep God's Word, to do it, to practice it. If all we do is read and pump knowledge into our brain about God's Word, but we don't practice it, we don't apply it, we'll never appreciate its value. If all you do is learn God's Word intellectually, but you never apply it to the way you live, you will never appreciate the value of God's Word. It's like music theory. Okay, that was my major in college was music. Music theory is one of those, some of those classes you have to take in a music major. And music theory, I have to tell you, is like the most boring subject ever. This is how you make a diminished seventh chord. Wow. This is how you make an augmented fourth. Who cares? It's when you take the theory and you take it from a page and you put it to an instrument and you go, oh. And it moves from something dull and boring to something... Ah. May I say, that's how it is with God's Word. When it's just stuff on the page, we're just like... Ah. When we start applying it to our life, we go, oh. Oh. God, I never would have thought of it that way. Obey your parents. Who would know that that produces a good life? But you said it, and it works. Huh. Love your enemies. Things that are really hard and things that aren't, that we would say, no, 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 no. And God says, yes, yes, yes. And we apply it and we go, oh, yeah, got it. Four things he did. There's one more thing. He has a desire for God's Word. He seeks God's Word. He invested in God's Word. The last point, find in verse 18. By the way, if you've been hoping so far for a little magic wand that I wave and I, or I shine my magic flashlight on you and, and uh, we're going to leave here, I shine that on you and you're going to leave here. Whoa, I love God's Word! I, maybe you've figured out by now that that doesn't happen. Love for God's Word is not just this instant thing, but I find it interesting and encouraging that as I look at these things, I realize that this songwriter is not a spiritual superhero who just woke up one day to discover he had the superpowers of love for God's Word. Yesterday, the Bible was just drudgery. Today, wow, it's donuts! 
didn't happen that way. And it's encouraging to me to find that this this guy is a real person and like for you and like for me, sometimes reading and learning and applying God's Word is hard and it takes resolve and it takes effort and it takes a commitment to do things that don't normally feel like doing. But then I realized that aren't all relationships like that? Your marriage is like that. Your relationship with your kids is like that. It takes work. It takes effort. But it, it's good. And while it's not always fun, it always gets better when we invest in it, when we work at it. And when we love the person, when we value them, and when we value God and His Word, and when we seek Him and seek to know Him and when we invest in the process of digging into His Word, it draws us near. But there's another one last thing and it's right here in verse 18. The verse we started with. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of Your law. You may recall last week we noted that this psalm is all addressed to God. All except the first three verses and one random verse. I think it's verse 122. All the rest of the psalm directly addresses God. You, you, your, oh God. It's it's all directed to God. So it's all a prayer. But while all of it's a prayer, only some of it is prayer requests. God give me this. God grant this. God do this. A great study for you would be to go through the psalm and make a note of every prayer request. It's a great study. Because you get insight into the heart of the person who says, I love this book. Let me give you a hint of some of the things he doesn't pray for. He doesn't say, God, give me a new chariot. God, give me a new house. God, cure the bronchitis that's been bothering me the last couple of weeks. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong or bad to pray for any such things. But there are greater things to pray for. And I just want to note four things that he prays for. And there are four prayers that need to be on our lips if we're going to be people who have a passion for God's Word. The first is this. Verse 18, I just read it. What was his prayer request? Open my eyes. He asked God for enlightenment, for understanding. First Corinthians, Paul writes to them, he says there in chapter 2, he says this, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, he says the natural state of the human person is we can't understand spiritual things. If the Word of God, not without God's help, by the way. And Paul goes on to say, and so we need the Spirit of God to teach us and help us. First thing I would say, if the Word of God seems like just this brick wall to you, you can't understand it, you don't get it, you don't desire it. First question to ask is, am I in relationship with God? The whole point of the Bible is so that we can know Him and but not just know about Him, but have a relationship with Him. So God has given His written Word and God gave His ultimate revelation in the incarnated Word when God became man, Jesus Christ. 
also that we can come into relationship with Him. Jesus came to die for our sin, to pay a penalty so that when we trust in Him, the penalty of our sin has been paid for when we trust in Him and we enter into relationship with God. The Bible says we become His children. The Bible says His Spirit comes and lives inside of us. And we can't really understand God's Word without a relationship with Him. If you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, God calls you today to trust in Him. You can do that right where you are. Just say, God, I'm a sinner. I realize that I've messed up. I need a Savior. I believe Jesus died for my sin. I'm, I want Him to be my Savior. Trust in Him. You can do that right now. The Bible says He will save you. For all of us, we still have, our minds are still corrupted. They still are tainted with sin. And we still need God's help to understand it. And that's why the songwriter here says, Lord, help me. Open my spiritual eyes so that I can understand Your Word. Secondly, he prays in verse 36 another prayer that we need. He says, verse 36, he says, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Is the Word of God, getting into God's Word, a struggle for you because you're drawn to so many other things? I mean, there's sports to watch and there's fishing to do and there's sleep to be had. And Our songwriter had the same problem. He said, Lord, I need my desires changed. So rather my desires be selfish, my desires are to know You. Change my desires. Similar to that, in the next verse, he prays this. He prays, turn my heart away from looking at worthless things and give me life in Your ways. Not just, Lord, do my desires need to be changed, my willpower does because I'm, I'm drawn to these other things. I need, I need You to train my eyes to, to look at and to desire you rather than, you know, whatever else it is. So he prays for discipline. Lastly, and it's the last prayer of the psalm, and it's my last point, the very last verse of the psalm, Psalm 176, and it's a surprising one. Because here is this godly man who is in love with the Word of God, and yet again, Proof here that this is no superhuman. This is a man like you and me who has grown in his love for the Word of God and has grown in his love for God. But even at the point he is, notice this last verse, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commands. See, lastly he says, the reality is, God, I'm going to mess up. And I do mess up. And when I do, seek me out. Bring me back. And He says, Lord, restore me. Restore me. You and I are going to stumble and fall. You and I are going to be drawn away by other things. We're going to tune out the Word of God. We need to be drawn back. But here we have from, 
from this songwriter how it is to grow a passion and a love for God's Word. Desire. Recognize it is real treasure. I need to desire that. We need to come to God's Word seeking Him, not whatever else. It's going to take some investment. And we definitely need His help. But if we do these things, we will find increasing joy, increasing delight, increasing treasure in this book because in the process we'll be growing more in love with its author. Let's pray. Father, that's ultimately what we need is to be in love with You. But it's in Your Word that we get to know You. Through Your Word we see You. And so, Lord, cause us to treasure Your Word. There are personal benefits to our health and to our well-being, to our finances, to our relationships. There's all kinds of practical benefits of Your Word, but the greatest benefit is that it's there that we find You. So, Lord, change us. From people who see the Word as a drudgery, into people who can join in with the psalmist and say, I love it. I'm not perfect. I don't always get it right. Lord, I love Your Word. And I need more of it. Help us this week to dig into Your Word a little more and begin to see a little more of who You are and how great is Your love. We ask this in Jesus' name.